0: Good morning. morning. I am going to ask you to pray again with me, please. Lord God, as we hear your word today, would you fill us with your spirit? Soften our hearts that we may delight in your presence. Sharpen our minds that we may discern the truth. Shape our wills that we may desire your ways. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Today's scripture reading is Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, which is on page 658 of your Pew Bible. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, you, Chloe. I just realized I forgot to dismiss the kids for junior church. we to do it. It's a short sermon, so they can stay or they can go. What do you all want? We ready for it? You want to go? Okay. Kids, you can meet right up here for Junior Church. It'll be short. It'll be like 15 minutes, but... said that Junior Church will be short because I, t- I promised them my sermon will be short. And I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I never promised a short sermon, so hold me to it. Uh, the reason I promised a short sermon is because Mike gave me a preview, a sneak preview of his testimony this week. And I told him afterwards, I might just not preach at all. Uh, that was so powerful and just such a sweet testimony to the grace of Jesus. So Mike, thank you. It is... Um, it can feel like a little bit of dissonance, you know, like two notes that, that, that are not in harmony to observe both our Memorial Sunday and a baptism on the same Sunday, on the same day. And yet, as I've been thinking and reflecting, and God has given us these things on the same Sunday this week, uh, I think they work really well together. Because in both, we're really thinking about this life, and we're thinking about the end of this life, which we call death, and we're thinking about new life. We're thinking about burial and resurrection today. And in fact, the book of Ecclesiastes confronts and guides us through a lot of those thoughts in some very blunt ways. Uh, The whole book begins very famously, if you know the King James, you you probably remember this word, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Vanity. Everything is vain, Solomon writes. We believe Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. And then he spends the next 12 chapters basically explaining how all of life is vain. Now, you can translate that Hebrew word differently. Some translations say meaningless. Some say futile. Futile, F-U-T-I-L-E, not E-U-D-A-L. Um there are all sorts of different ways to translate it. The literal Hebrew word just means vapor. And maybe that's actually the best translation. Maybe instead of trying to define it, we should, we should let the image speak for itself. Everything is a vapor, Solomon says. All of life is a vapor. Step outside on a cold day, not like today, but in a couple days, Step outside on a cold day and you breathe, you, right? And what do you see? You see your vapor, you see your breath. And it's there, and then it's no longer there. Just like that. Life feels like that, doesn't it, at times? Solomon is teaching us that life is like your breath on a cold winter morning. And he spends 12 chapters of this book, Ecclesiastes, fleshing out the question, where do we find lasting hope in a world where nothing lasts? That's an important question, especially on a Sunday. It's important any time, but especially on a Sunday when we're remembering those dear loved ones we lost last year and with a baptism on the docket. It's a very pertinent question. Where do we find lasting hope in a world where nothing lasts. Now, in a sense, I'm preaching on all of Ecclesiastes this morning, but we're doing it through the lens of Ecclesiastes 2, when Solomon names four specific vapors, four vanities that we tend to pursue in life, the things we tend to orient our life around. And he names, this is the preacher's favorite text because all four start with a P. He names pleasure, projects by which we'll mean work, Possessions and popularity. So, this morning we're going to con- consider very briefly why each of those is so ephemeral, and then we'll look for hope beyond them. But let's start with pleasure. Here's how he starts this is verse one. He writes, I thought in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure to find what is good. But that proved to be vanity, a vapor. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does, this is a good question, by the way, what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine. I tried embracing folly. In 21st century terms, we would say this. I tried pleasing myself by watching Netflix late into the night, way past when I should have gone to bed, or by mindlessly scrolling after I had put the kids to bed, or with a second, and then maybe a third, and then maybe a fourth drink. And Solomon points out, as many of us, like we know, if we're really being honest, these things are a vapor, they don't last. Do you really feel rested and filled up and refreshed after three or four hours with the remote? You really feel better than you did before, after the high or the buzz ends? It's a vapor, Solomon says. Next, he moves to projects. That means work. I'll show you where I get that from. He he writes, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees trees. It sounds like he's gardening, but remember, Solomon is a king. He's describing public works projects. This is his DPW efforts, right? He's building infrastructure. I, and, and he says, I worked hard and I accomplished a lot in my work. But it was a vapor. Just last week, it was a week and a half ago now, I was chatting with a, a friend who's a palliative care physician. And she told me, she said, Chris, the cliche is true. She said, I've sat by a lot of people as they were dying. And I've heard a lot of people express a lot of regrets. I have never once heard somebody say anything like, you know, I really wish I had spent more time in the office. (laughs) Our work, even, is a vapor. I mean, let me just ask you where are Solomon's public works projects now? They've crumbled they've crumbled and and we may not like this although we know this especially actually those of you I wager who are retired understand this better than any of the rest of us because after you retired let me ask you did your company collapse just implode no what happened in all probability i think this is true for anybody in here who's retired they found a replacement and they kept on going That's that's a sobering and humbling thought, isn't it? That you and I, not one of us in here, is actually irreplaceable even in our work, as good as we are at our work. It's a vapor, Solomon says. I tried pleasure, I tried projects. Next he said, I tried possessions. I'm going to paraphrase because this is a long chunk, but he says, I acquired for myself, and these are ancient measures of wealth, slaves, herds, flocks, silver, gold, treasure, employees. I had a huge payroll. I had it all. But what happens? Elsewhere in Ecclesiastes, he points out, well, you die, and then all your possessions belong to somebody else who didn't even work for them. It's like the old saying goes, I I don't remember who told me this, but it's such a good image. Nobody ever saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. Just think about that. And even when you just think about this life, like try, okay, well, let me get as much as I can in this life. But what happens? Your windowsills rot, your alternator goes bad. That fridge that you just bought a year and a half ago, the condenser breaks, and now you've got to get a new fridge because fridges don't last like they used to. Your precious jewelry tarnishes or maybe even gets stolen. And that's not, and then Solomon digs even deeper. Like you look a couple chapters later in Ecclesiastes 5, and he writes this Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. The abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. We think that accumulating more things will give us a sense of peace, but actually it robs us of the very peace that we're after because now we're worried about losing it. It's a vapor. And lastly, Solomon warns us against the vapor of popularity. We can use different words to describe this. You might say legacy. We might say making a name for yourself, having a good reputation, being well-respected. I want people to remember me, we think. And that sounds good. It's not a bad thing in and of itself, but you can't orient your life around it, and here's why. Because Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 1, just a few chapter, one chapter before, no one remembers men of old. And even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. What's he saying? He's saying that you and I will be, this is a hard reality, but it's true, you and I will be forgotten. And probably sooner than we think, And if you don't believe me, let me ask you, do you know the names of your great-grandparents? And if you know the names of your great-grandparents, maybe a handful of you do, do you know the names of your great-great-grandparents? You get the idea? Three, maybe four generations, and we don't even remember their names. And we think that we'll be different? He looks back over all of it and writes, When I surveyed all that my all that my hands had done, all that I had toiled to achieve, everything was vanity. Everything was a vapor (gasps) gone. A chasing after the wind. I love that image. A chasing after the wind you imagine going to the park, having a picnic on a sun, sunny summer afternoon, and you see somebody in the park just running, sprinting back and forth and back and forth, and, and they're not wearing workout clothes, so they're not just, and you're like, what are you doing? And they say, I'm, I'm chasing the wind. What are you, you going to think about that person's mental state? Like, I want to know, what are you going to do when you catch it? Solomon says, when we pursue at all costs pleasure and possessions and popularity and projects or work, we are no different than somebody who is chasing the wind. So where do we find lasting hope in a world where nothing, frankly, lasts? The kicker, if you read Ecclesiastes enough, is that Solomon doesn't tell us. (laughs) It's a really depressing book. He does give us a few hints in chapter 3. Let me read you his hints, and then I'll make some connections to Scripture later on. He writes in verse 11 that God has set eternity. He has set eternity in the hearts of humankind. In other words, we long for something, even if we can't find it. And then a few verses later, he says, everything God does will endure forever. There is something in us that knows, if we're really being honest, that this world doesn't last. And there is something in us that longs for more. And this is why I remind you that as depressing as Ecclesiastes is, and you should read it, it's not a standalone book. It's one of 66 in our scriptures that tell one cohesive story. And so we can find responses to the questions that Solomon poses other places in scripture. Let me read you one. This is from 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy He has given us, notice God gives us, we don't achieve it for ourselves, but God gives it to us. He has given us new birth, new birth, into a living hope through, how do we get this? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance, now he's gonna actually call our mind back to Ecclesiastes, into an inheritance that will never perish Spoil or fade. The world and everything in it is passing away. We know that from First John chapter 2. We know it from experience, if we're honest. But Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and is making all things new. We find our, our hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the one who has conquered the death that seems so powerful over our lives. And because he was raised from the dead, and because we are raised with him through our baptism, then we can find a better version of each of those four Ps in Christ. We find greater pleasure in Christ than any substance or any experience can possibly offer us. We find more meaning and purpose in our projects, in our work, Here's how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, our labor in the Lord is not in vain. There's that word, vanity again. It's not in vain if it's in the Lord. We can let go of our stranglehold over possessions because like we just read, our inheritance in Christ will never perish or spoil or fade like all those other things will. And we no longer have to agonize over leaving a legacy here Because God promises that our names, if we are in Christ, are written in the Lamb's book of life. If God promises to remember us, if God promises that he will remember us, why are we so worried about anybody else? It's like we sing in the old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We remember, and appropriately so, Barbara and Julie and Marge and Dana. And there's pain there, yes, We don't don't deny that. There's pain because they remind us that life on earth is in some sense a vapor. But just like we did at each one of their funerals, we remind ourselves again today that the resurrection of Jesus the Christ is more powerful than death. And in just a few moments, we will cheer on Mike as he declares that he is dead to the pursuits of pleasure and possessions and projects and popularity because God has raised him to new life in Christ as he has all of us who are in Christ. Friends, our life is in Christ and nothing else. Amen.